the short amount of time I've been wearing this, I realize I'm going to have to surrender this as well. You know what, children, I think you guys are all dismissed, right? It's children's church this morning. You guys are dismissed. Okay, uh, to start this morning, the message, we're going to start off in some scripture. Psalm 46, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 46, we're going to read the first 11 verses, then we're going to jump to Psalm 62. Psalm 46, verse 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in, in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall be made glad in the city of God, the, whole, the holy high place, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. Their kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will, exalt, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Turn with me to chapter 69. I'm sorry, 62. Chapter 62, verses 1 and 2. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And so, in these verses, we have David describing who God is. And when I, think of the, and when I read through these chapters here, I think of God's might, His power, uh, his, his grace, His comfort, His refuge. And that is something that we can all attain in our lives. But there's a, there's a catalyst to all of that. Something has to happen in our lives before that can ever take place, before we can ever attain that for ourselves in our lives. And that's what we want to look at later here today. Refuge. The last, the last two years, we've probably all gone through things, experienced, uh, experienced things that we have never seen or experienced before in our lives. We've had the pandemic. Uh, we have uh, Russia invading Ukraine. We have inflation, things like that. There's a lot of just upheaval right now in our world. It, it, it just does not seem like a safe place to live in. A lot of fearful things, actually. And the question that I have for all of us today is, in the last two years, where have you, where have I, where have we placed our refuge? What did we seek after when we have fear dwelling up inside us, when we hear of all these things going on? Where have you, where have you gone and where have I gone? Uh, a couple of stats that I came across 
uh, that's very, very interesting. Um, alcohol sales, in 2020, alcohol sales went up 63% in the U.S. One may ask, well, are people trying to drown out their fears, their sorrows, just to forget in the bottle, or perhaps in the bottom of the bottle, if, if, if you will? Um, streaming services have gone up 26%. Netflix, Peacock, I can't keep track of them all have gone up 26%, topping 1 billion users plus, and that number keeps skyrocketing year after year. Now, I, technology plays into that, DVDs and things like that are a thing of the past, but screen time has also, like daily screen time, has also gone up during that exact same time. Why? Are people trying to, if only for an hour or two, distract themselves from what's going on in the world, their fears and Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, isolating during the, uh, during the pandemic, just trying to forget through entertainment. Sports can possibly fall in that too. Depression, anxiety have risen as well. And there's been a dramatic increase in drug overdoses during that time. Why? Why, is, why are all these things that have been, some of them may not have been recommended by the authorities, but... What are people trying to seek after? What, what refuge are people trying to find during this time? Are they just trying to forget, if only for a moment, what the, the reality of life? And is it working? So, we want to look at two, two men in the Bible today. Both these men were great men of God, but they both had their serious faults and fell short of the glory of God. But God still blessed these men tremendously. Uh, the first man I want to briefly cover is just with being in Psalm earlier here is David. Uh, David, if you read the book of Psalm, David is constantly, he's seeking God. He's seeking his refuge, his strength, his comfort, his peace. And why is that? Well, David, multiple times, he's being chased down by Saul to kill him. Uh, his, his armies are trapped. He has nowhere to go. He's seeking refuge in God. He's seeking him at all times. In the Bible, God calls David a man after his own heart. And why is that? Who is that? Can you imagine that being you, God calling you a man or a woman after his own heart? So who is David? A couple of things. David was obedient for the most part. He obeyed. He, He did what God called him to do. David was also a man of tremendous faith. Encourage. Well, he had to be if you're going to stare down a Goliath in his youth. You have to be, have tremendous faith and courage if you're going to be trapped by armies multiple times. No way out. And, and later in, in, in uh, David's life, uh, he had his son Absalom seeking after him. David is also a man of great godly character. Uh, there, there's, you, can, you can read through, read through the Bible and, and find many instances of, uh, about his character, but one that I had to think of is uh, when... Saul was chasing David, and, and, and Saul goes into the very cave to rest that David and his men are, are, are hiding in. And David's men told him, and said, right here, God delivered you, Saul. Kill him, right here. But what did David do? He refused. Instead, he cut off a piece of Saul's robe. And even for that, he was actually sorrowful for that. But uh, David refused to harm God's anointed. God anointed Saul as king of Israel, and David refused to lay a hand on him. That is, and, and David could probably have justified by 
I don't want to condone killing. But David, David was fairly innocent in all of this. Uh, Saul was chasing David because he was jealous. He was fearful that David had a better reputation than he. So it took a man of character to obey God with that. David was also a liar. Uh, he committed adultery. And he murdered. Does it get worse than that? You tell me. But yet, some, but yet God called him a man after his own heart. God blessed him. But what did David have to do? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Another guy we're going to talk about in the Bible here is Abram. Abram is the father of, of many, many descendants. Abram, too, was a very righteous man. But he, too, fell short of the glory of God. But yet, God blessed him. He blessed his descendants. So, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who, curse you. I will bless, those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here we have, just briefly, here we have God establishing his promise to, day, or to, to Abram, saying that I will bless your, your, your descendants. And, and in chapter 13, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go there, but in chapter 13, God shows Abram the land of Canaan. Abram inherits Canaan. So basically we have God, <clears throat> excuse me, we have God establishing Abram's inheritance for himself, for, for, but for his descendants. Turn with me to chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. Abram, I am, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but, who, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So here we have, we have God establishing the covenant with Abram. And God takes Abram outside and says, Look, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And... Uh, I, I, for the sake of time here, too, I'm not going to read the rest of chapter 15 and 16, but read those on your own. But as a recap, God establishes the covenant with Abram, but through, through God, he establishes that, that covenant. And the interesting thing is, after the, the, the covenant is established, there's a period of time where nothing really happens. And so Abram, sounds like all of us, Abram, th- believing he is a righteous man, decided, well, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna do this on their own. So Sarai, Abram's wife, says, well, I can't have children. I haven't bore you any children. But here, here's Hagar. Take her. She's my maidservant and have children with her. And that's what happened. Go to the end of chapter 16. In verse 15, it says, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, 
I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall be come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to God, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you in the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for your wife Sarai, as far as Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. So, with what we've read here this morning in chapter 17, at the end of chapter 16, we have Ishmael coming on the scene uh, when Abram was 86 years old. And right in the next verse in, in chapter 1, the next time God, this is very, very interesting, very significant, Abram was 99 years old the next time that the Lord appeared to him. 13-year gap of absolute silence. Why was that? Could it be that Abram decided on his own, I will fulfill that covenant that God created with me. I will do it. I don't think God was very pleased with that. And, and what happens next? The next time God appears to Abram, he says, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And in verse 3, what did Abram do? He fell on his face before God, acknowledging who he is, what he did, who he is in the eyes of God. He fell before him. And in, in, in verse 5 is where God changes Abram's name to Abraham. And in verse 15, he changes Sarai's name to Sarah. And, and this is actually very significant in the story. And, and, but why is that? God added a letter to each of their names. He let, added the letter H. And there, there's, uh, there's many different translations out there that, that, that say, well, here's what it names, but here's, here's what the meaning is of it. But in Hebrew, the A-H is a, is a uh that's how they pronounce it. So we say Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, the, the H is actually silent in that. But in Hebrew, it's Abraham and Sarah. And the A-H, that sound, it means breath or spirit. So in order to bring about the covenant, God's covenant with Abraham and with Sarah, he breathes his breath and his spirit into them. And that's very interesting. What does Abraham do after that? Well, verse 17, Then Abraham fell on his face and he laughed. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. After all that, Abraham still, he laughs in the face of God. Thinking that, saying that, God, I'm 100 my wife is 90. It's impossible. I mean, ladies, can you imagine 90 years old and you're having a child? 
I never had to bear a child, but I'm 33 and I have a hard time keeping up with my boys. He's saying this is impossible, It, it can't happen. But then he says, he points to his son Ishmael, oh, that he might live. Well, he's saying that God right here, he's still thinking this is the heir. This is, this is the, the bloodline right here. What does God say? Chapter 19, or I'm sorry, verse 19. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant. That's very important. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. God is saying, no, Abram, there is literally nothing that you can do on your own to to bring about, to fulfill the covenant. It is only through me. It is only through me. And we we know the rest of the story. They bore Isaac, Isaac bore Jacob. God blessed them. But with these two men, there's two completely different men, two completely different stories, different times. Both of these men fell short of the glory of God, but yet God blessed them. God blessed Abram's descendants. God blessed David. But there's something they both had to do, and they did before the cross ever existed. In uh, 2 Samuel, you don't have to turn there. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David, to the prophet Nathan, David confesses or he admits his sin. Turn to me to uh, Psalm chapter 51. Uh, here we have David's prayer of repentance. Psalm, Psalm chapter 51, verse 1. Have mercy, Upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse 7 Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones ye have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Here we have David confessing, repenting of his sin. Abram, what does he do after he takes on his own, to, to take, takes the covenant on his own, to, to fulfill the covenant on his own? What does he do when God appears before him after 13 years? He falls on his face, he worships him. He bows before him. He submits before God. Both of these men, two different scenarios, these both, both of these men surrendered themselves before God, before the cross ever existed. And Jesus gave us the ultimate example of surrender when he died on the cross. 
He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he passed away. He died. He surrendered his life. He surrendered his will to his Father. And, but, but, you know, in order for what to happen, though, in order for life to happen, in order for the resurrection to come about. And it's the same thing if you, uh, if you plant a seed in the soil. Well, what happens, what happens first? First, that seed, it must die in order to bear life, bear fruit. And the same thing is, is, is for you and I, the same thing. But we have the cross, the very cross that Jesus died on, we have that to go to, to surrender our lives, our will, our fears, our doubts, our strongholds, our pride. We have all that. We were able to bring that to the foot of the cross. Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 32, I'm not going to read it, but we have Jacob wrestling with God. And, but Jacob is seeking God's blessing. And God asks him a question. He says, what is your name? God knew his name. He wasn't asking that. He was asking, Jacob, tell me who you are. And Jacob replies, he says, I am Jacob, or it's me, blemishes and all. All my resume are deceit. I've lied. I've cheated. People I've been with cheated me. It's me. But yet God still blessed him because Jacob acknowledged who he was in God's eye. He surrendered himself to God. And you can read these things over and over in the Bible. But the beautiful part is that we have the cross to go to, to lay, to surrender our will, our lives, our fears, doubts, whatever it may be, at the foot of the cross. And when Jesus sees a son or a daughter lay their lives down, surrender their will to him, he will meet you there every single time. Every single time, Jesus will meet you there. And that is, he can do his greatest work in your life when you're kneeling at the foot of the cross, surrendering yourself to him. When he sees a child, a son or a daughter, kneeling before him, he can finally, he says, wow, that right there, that is somebody I can use. I can finally bring about my purpose for their life, my will. I can fill them with my refuge, my peace, my strength. That is where God can do the greatest work in our lives. And when I think of surrender, I'll, I'll open up since I'm up here. When I think of surrender, I think of weakness. I, I do. Um, you can ask my wife jokingly at times, I say, you know, depending on the circumstance, jokingly, and maybe sometimes not, I don't know. I say, I, I would rather die than give up on this. I will not give up. Pray for her because she has to live with me on that. Surrender can be, a, I look at it as a weakness. It's not a sign of strength, but is it actually? When we surrender to Christ, he fills us, and in return, he fills us with strength, with peace, with confidence through his salvation. Uh, strength is not, you know, we look at, at, at people here on this earth. Strength is not what we think it is. You know, I, I think of a strong man like a, like a Donald Trump. Is he actually strong? Is he, does he portray strength? I don't think he does. I may have ruffled a few feathers, and I realize I may have to go out the side door after the sermon here, but true strength comes only through Christ. But first, first, you must surrender yourself before him at the foot of the cross. It is only through that. And 
so often we come, we're, 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 we come, uh, we're our own downfall. Because you have to submit your pride, you have to give over your pride. Strongholds, whatever that may be, strongholds can be very, very powerful in our lives. But in order for God, if it, in order for God to advance you through life, for you to seek and fulfill your true purpose in life, first you must give up your own, the own purpose that you think you have, and allow God to give you His purpose, His strength. And I, something that's that's just stuck with me the last couple of weeks is uh, Pastor Chris, you shared on uh, Revelations. And incidentally, I, I, I've had numerous conversations the last few months about the mark of the beast, the, the you know, um, the Antichrist, all that, who is he, all that stuff. It's kind of fearful if you think about it. But in Revelations, I forget what chapter, verse, what verse it was, but it says that we are marked by our Creator in the book of life. If you're a child of God, if you're born again, I have, we have nothing to fear. That, that is strength. That is confidence in salvation. That is refuge. But first you must surrender. It's kind of conflicting. But that's, if we seek that, if we seek refuge, if we seek strength, if we seek salvation, first you've got to surrender at the foot of the cross. And in closing here, I have one question that I... I I want you to consciously think about uh, as, as the next days, weeks, whatever, because there, there will be something that will happen, most likely. It's just life. That at some point, you're going to find yourself with fear maybe swelling up inside of you, doubt. Uh, maybe you own a business and five people walk off on you. You're stressed out. You have absolutely no way. You, you don't know what's, how you're going to survive. You know, Marcus, I just had, you know, just thinking of you, the situation you're in. What is, what is your first reaction? What is my first reaction? Where do we go to? Do we seek solace in, I hope it's not alcohol, do you seek solace in a, in, in a movie? Just ah, I just want to forget about this. What is the first place you go to when something just, it overwhelms you? You don't have the answers for. What's the first place you go to? Because if it's anything on this earth, of this earth, it's temporary. But when you can lay that at the foot of the cross, when you can surrender whatever that is at the foot of the cross, permanent solutions will come through Christ. So that's my challenge to all of you this week, and, and to myself. I speak to myself as much as, as anyone here. Um, but consciously think about that the next time something happens. So, can you do that? Thank you. Okay, thank you for being attentive. Um, let's have a word of prayer. You got team, uh, worship team.